On today's episode of Recruiting Hell, we get in touch with something that's pretty close to the heart of this show. The overarching fact that job hunting sucks. When you're doing something you don't like to do, it wears on you. And today's guest is going to give us strategies that build your endurance for your job hunt and give you some true resilience to help you get through it. I think so oftentimes the skills that we develop or that we really hold on to are there because they tie to a personal experience. And this is why when we talked, Rob, I said, this is what I would love to talk about or share with your listeners because I've had my own experience of being unemployed, of having that experience of the false hope and not getting the job or being holding out for so long and thinking, why aren't they responding? What's going on? Yeah. You know, what have I done? What have I not done? All of those questions and fears and experiences. I've been laid off. I've gone through the mental and emotional process of computing what that means. So when I thought about my experiences in uh, what might be referred to as recruiting hell, I thought the most important thing is resilience. It's And resilience is not about not experiencing the downsides. It's not about neglecting your feelings. It's not about resisting any uh, negative emotions. It's about the bounce back. It's about how you bring yourself back to a positive state of mind, bring yourself back to hope, keeping your mind on the goal and the intention and not getting lost just because you had a setback. And I think that's why I want to talk about resilience in particular, because yes, it's very important to take self-care, but in reality, we're calling it recruiting hell because it's not a fun process. It's no. difficult and it's emotionally challenging. And I don't want to neglect or, or discount the impact of those negative emotions and experiences. But I want to talk about what you can do when you have those and how to perhaps lessen the setback, but also more importantly, how to get back on track when you experience that. Hello, and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm glad you're here with us today. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Welcome to episode 20 of Recruiting Hell. We are closing out the second 10-pack of episodes here with an episode on resilience and finding a way to keep pushing through this difficult task of job hunting. This episode will be wrapping up season one of Recruiting Hell. I thought a 20-episode season was a great endpoint. It's a nice, even number, and honestly, it's kind of in two halves already. The earlier episodes where the show was kind of finding its feet, and then, of course, these later episodes that bring some of the big guns to improve your job hunting. It's a constantly evolving process, and every bit of information I can get your way helps you get that much closer to finding a new or better opportunity as we begin Season 2 next week. Now, before we start, there's a ton of things that happened over the past week or so that made this program bigger than ever. I want to get these out here before we tie the season off. And the first thing first, what do you think of the new look? We've launched with a new logo. A huge thank you to Zane Chowdhury on Fiverr and, of course, his Instagram, ZC underscore visuals. By all means, folks, please go follow that guy. He did a fantastic job. And his design is everything I ever wanted in a logo. And I really hope you like it as well. And hopefully it gets the show a bit more exposure as well. The second thing is that outside of this show, 
there is even more than you can get from Recruiting Hell. And that's, of course, with our free newsletter at RecruitingHell.com, which is called, of course, Recruiting Hell Overtime. It has great content, like five-minute resume fixes, the weekly discipline download, or links to great articles and extras like pre- and post-show conversations. Now, this all varies with each episode because these are all individually crafted pieces of workmanship, but I promise you that you'll find more there than just what you find here on the show. So bounce on over to RecruitingHell.com and get some of that extra content, and be sure to drop a subscription for those newsletters that release every Wednesday afternoon. Lastly, while you're actually at RecruitingHell.com, you're going to notice a little button that says Support the Show. This one is really really special and there are some amazing folks out there who we'll hear about in future episodes that have already subscribed to our patreon and are helping produce this show and shoulder some of the costs costs that help folks who need a job get a job so if you're a fan of this show and you want to see more supporting us on patreon can unlock some very cool benefits like voting on episode topics so you can help drive the direction of the show you get early release episodes and merch codes for our new exclusive line through t public there's even a tier with some one-on-one -on -one coaching from yours truly to help give your job hunting experience an edge. Now, that's a whole lot of things to cover that all just sprung up in the last seven days or so. So to summarize, love the new look, Overtime's new, T Public Store, and Patreon, too. Links in the show description for you to check out. Whew. Now that that's all out of the way, let's talk resilience. Resilience is something that seems to come from the most humble of places or the most striking and terrible of events. If we look throughout history, we find examples of people who are not themselves extraordinary, who made it through events that were extraordinary. We read about people surviving situations that seem so unimaginable in today's civilized society, and they somehow manage to live as close to a normal life as possible afterwards. Hardships leave their mark, and oftentimes, it's not a visible one. It's the ability to bear this scar that sets folks apart. Now, while your job hunt may not have you fleeing your home country to escape famine or war, it still puts a tremendous amount of stress upon you and your family. And it's that continuous, low-impact stress, day in and day out, that really begins to wear on the mind and body. Watching bank balances trend downward towards zero, or having to say no when you or the kids want something. It's hard, and you don't deserve that. You deserve security in your income and in your livelihood. It's that insidious reality that when you're looking for work, particularly when you're unemployed rather than underemployed, that low-level stress over a long period of time really racks up, and the frustration of being jobless grows daily. It's called chronic stress, and it can be a huge, huge debilitating factor to your life. You need to find ways to combat that. Now, before I introduce our guest, as always, we remember why we're here and why we want to get out of recruiting hell. If you're listening to this show, you're here for one of two reasons. You want to get a better job or a new job. Today's job market is tough, and you're in the awful situation I call recruiting hell, where good jobs are few and far between, and scams, underpayment, ridiculous requirements for entry-level jobs abound. This show is about teaching you to avoid the pitfalls of the modern job hunt and help build you as a person to bring your interview and job hunting game to the next level. 
This show is here to give you the discipline and the motivation to keep going in your search so that you can get out of recruiting hell. So whether you're on your 200th application, 50th rejection email, or second recruiter ghosting you this week, you are welcome at this table to learn new skills to help you win your job hunt. After all of that, folks, we are finally here at the main event. Thanks for bearing with me. And today, to teach us about resilience in the face of absolute recruiting hell, is my very good friend, Ariel Kopak, neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, I got that in one take, and the host of the MP3 podcast. Ariel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that warm introduction, Rob, and I'm really excited to be here and to talk about resilience with you on Recruiting Hell. This is, awesome. I've been really looking forward to this. I have been to this. Again, another one of these episodes. It's so funny. I, I, maybe I have to contact guests a little bit shorter ahead of time, but I think <laughs> this is one that's been in the works for about two or three months, which is great. So excellent. Again, welcome, my friend. Uh, you and I met through a podcast community that I talk about on this show quite a bit, Podcast Town. And outside of that, you do something that's really kind of special. Uh, you have a very unique business and, and what you do. So why don't we give the listeners a quick rundown of you know who Ariel is and what you do to help folks with both your show and, of course, the website that's kind of attached to that. Certainly. So my business is called Harness Your Hindrance. And I am a business coach who focuses on mindset and limiting beliefs. Majority of my clients are sales professionals who have identified that they know what they need to do to get to that next level of growth, of success, of production. Oftentimes they're running their own business as well as uh, bringing in the production to build their business. And what they find is that they know what they need to do. It's not about more information needed or more strategies. Really, there's a mental or emotional roadblock holding them back from that next level of growth or success. So I go in and help them dig in, figure out what's holding you back from doing what you know you need to do or say you want to do, but just aren't doing. Either not finding the motivation or it seems so simple, yet you're not acting upon it. Something likely is going on mentally or emotionally. It's holding you back from that next level of success. So that's my primary business is business coaching for sales professionals and business owners, harness your hindrance. Now the podcast, MP3 podcast is really more of an outlet. So I shared with my now podcast producer that I love what I do. So in coaching, I'm really digging in and I'm asking questions, just digging deeper and deeper and deeper, finding the right question to open the door to find the, in, the truth. And I say that my gift is drawing out someone's inner wisdom, helping them to see the truth that they have within them. That's just a little bit covered or hidden. And I love what I do. I'm very passionate about it. But I also shared that through this amount of listening, there's so much wisdom that I have gained and received from my clients and from those whom I've done coaching with. And there's, I don't really have an outlet for that. I don't have an opportunity to share. And sometimes in those moments, I'm like, wow, this is so powerful. And this is amazing wisdom that we just drew out. And it's a wonderful gift between myself and my client but there's such an opportunity for more of that to be shared, more of that wisdom to be passed on. And so that was one of the motivations for me starting the MP3 podcast, as well as side note, I'm a total dork about personality types. I love uh, studying personality types and allowing for the, that information to give greater insight to why someone might react in a certain way. And so the podcast was a mixture of those things being an outlet to share more about the wisdom emotional intelligence, personality types. And that's why I started MP3, Mastering Personality, Perspective, and Productivity podcast. So I can have an outlet to talk about those things that I'm passionate about. Excellent. And I'm glad you went into what MP3 actually stands for. 
mastering personality, perspective, and productivity. Perfect. Okay. So again, that's, that makes a ton of, that's so creative because I went, when I first saw that, I went MP3 podcasts generally are MP3s. (laughs) Like that, like, how did she get that? Did she get that on the, was she an early arriver to the podcast scene? But no, it's all good. And it makes, makes perfect sense for what you do, Ariel. And that's excellent. So again, for your community, who's probably tuning in here, you folks are probably facing your own unique challenges that Ariel's helping you with. And you're more than welcome here in this audience as well, because chances are some of those do overlap. And I certainly hope there's an opportunity for listeners on both of our shows, the folks that you know eventually will come from here to yours, which I think if you're listening to this show, go tune into Ariel's because there's probably some really great stuff there for you too. Uh, you're going to find something new and that's great for your unique challenges that life throws at you from either of these productions. So I think it's a great little crossover for us. Good deal. Certainly. And I think that uh, nearly everyone at this point knows someone who has been laid off or is in that un- unemployed state or who perhaps fears it or is looking for that new job, that new opportunity. I think nearly everyone knows someone in that situation that this could serve. Right. And I think you tapped on something that maybe isn't that I haven't touched on too much. There's people who are out of work. There's people who are laid off, but there's also the people who have the fear of a layoff. And I think that's something that if you're in a comfortable place at work, having that thought in the back of your mind of what if something bad happens, where do I go? What resources do I get? I think that's really good. We're probably going to focus on that in a future episode because that's a, that's a fabulous, fabulous thought even though it's a little bit scary. Very real. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So we'll jump right into it, Ariel. We organized this episode based around kind of resilience, that idea that was really yours. And I want to jump on that because that's, it's not often that a guest comes to me and says, hey, this is what I want to talk about. But it's definitely something that everyone needs in the face of these unemployment frustrations. And again, that crosses over into the challenges that people face in business and professional life with your listeners. A couple episodes back, actually more than a couple now, Uh, We talked about self-care with our resident mental health expert here on the show. Her name is Christine Berry, but resilience is, is different. And you have some strategies that you've been taught to help build this in people. So what forms the basis of the skills that you're bringing to our attention today? I think so oftentimes the skills that we develop or that we really hold on to are there because they tie to a personal experience And this is why when we talked, Rob, I said, this is what I would love to talk about or share with your listeners, because I've had my own experience of being unemployed, of having that experience of the false hope and not getting the job or being holding out for so long and thinking, why aren't they responding? What's going on? You know, what have I done? What have I not done? All of those questions and fears and experiences. I've been laid off. I've gone through the mental and emotional process of computing what that means. So when I thought about my experiences in uh, what might be referred to as recruiting hell, I thought the most important thing is resilience. It's And resilience is not about not experiencing the downsides. It's not about neglecting your feelings. It's not about resisting any uh, negative emotions. It's about the bounce back. It's about how you bring yourself back to a positive state of mind, bring yourself back to hope, keeping your mind on the goal and the intention and not getting lost just because you had a setback. 
And I think that's why I want to talk about resilience in particular, because yes, it's very important to take self-care, but in reality, we're calling it recruiting hell because it's not a fun process. It's no. difficult and it's emotionally challenging. And I don't want to neglect or, or discount the impact of those negative emotions and experiences, but I want to talk about what you can do when you have those and how to perhaps lessen the setback, but also more importantly, how to get back on track when you experience that. Got it. And I think, I think you've mentioned a lot of really important things that experiencing the negative and not just being numb to it is right. probably a very positive thing, even though it might feel really bad initially, like, oh, I have to go through this. But processing that, I think, is, is incredibly important for folks. Okay, excellent. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about you know this title that, that I had to do a couple takes of before we started <laughs> the recording here, Neurolinguistic Programming Practitioner. Ariel, what is this this thing, what is NLP, which I'm going to call it from now on, because that's a lot easier to pronounce. <laughs> Absolutely. Call it NLP. I certainly do. Everyone else does. And that's what it is. Uh, but neuro-linguistic programming, it sounds like a big, fancy, um, complicated word. For, sounds like right? a medical word, you know, kind of yes, like scientist medical yes. word. <laughs> yes. At the end of the day, really what it is, is it's, it's communication. And it's the understanding of communication, in particular, the communication with our minds. So neurolinguistic programming was founded by uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. And really, they studied therapists. They studied psychologists. They studied hypnotists. And when you think about what it takes to help heal someone's mind or to make some connections, it's all about language. So much, so much of our connections and our understanding is through language. And neurolinguistic programming is the breakdown of, of language and understanding uh, what language works, the impact that language has, kind of how our minds communicate, uh, both with one another and with, even within ourselves. And that ties into the mind and body, how our mind is communicating with our body and how our body is communicating with our mind, and then how to interpret whatever words are really saying. So these NLP allows me to kind of peel back the curtain and see what's behind the words, what's not being said. Uh, there's so much to NLP, so describing what that means can be complicated. But the portion of our brains that really house language and meaning associations with language is in our subconscious. So NLP provides some models, techniques, strategies to tap into, to better understand how to tap into a little bit of the language processing meanings and connections portion of our brain to essentially rewire some of the connections that we're making. Wow. Okay. That's, that is such a interesting way to look at that because we, we do associate word meetings with very deep things. I mean, somebody can say something and it, it triggers either a memory or something like that. And I, and you're saying that there's a, there's a way to kind of redraw that pathway almost between word A and association, word B, which may replace word A and association. So if we take a word like unemployed or jobless or something like that, and you're saying that we can learn ways to better ourselves by not associating that with the negative connotation that it has, correct? Absolutely. And NLP draws awareness to that choice to realize that we have choice in the associations that we're making and we can change 
the meaning of a word and what it means emotionally to us by identifying how, what is that connection? What is the association of that word? What is the meaning that you're attributing to that word now? And what would it mean if you associated something different with that word? Or perhaps replace that word with something else that is more uplifting, empowering, whatever it is that you're searching for, but realizing that there is that emotional connection because that part of our brain that is the language processing is also the part of our brain that has the emotions and the experiences tied to that language. And so when you realize that those ties are happening, you can identify where is that tie coming from? What is it leading to? And is this something that is a negative connection for me? And if so, how might I replace that, reword it? Got it. Okay. So then the question that I think everybody's probably asking is how do we use this on a daily basis when it comes to a job hunt, Ariel? So there's obviously with talking about language, there are an innumerable amount of things that I could respond to that. But I think I always believe that awareness is the first step. So being aware of what words you are using and speaking to yourself this comes into play. I talk a lot about limiting beliefs in my coaching and neurolinguistic programming is a part of that. Cause again, it's about that uh, connection that's being made in the mind and realizing how you are speaking to yourself in this process is really key. So bringing it in a little bit more to out of the uh, theoretical and into the applicable, sure. think about the difference in your mindset going into an interview. If you're saying, I am not going to hold out hope for this. Uh, if you're going in with a negative mindset of, I'm probably not going to get this job. They're not going to like me, or I'm not sure that I'm qualified. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been unemployed for three months. They're not going to want someone who hasn't been employed for three months. If you're having all of this negative self-talk, I to say that ties into NLP because NLP is language. How you are speaking to yourself is so powerful. And that changes your mindset, which changes how you show up in your facial expressions, in your body language, as well as in your speech. And that's what people are reading in the interview. And so if you are coming in with that constant negative self-talk, you're speaking to yourself, giving yourself language that is frankly demeaning or downgrading, that's how you're going to likely present yourself in the interview. Where Versus if you come in with I'm going to give it my all. They're going to see that I have this to give and that I have this expertise. I'm going to present the best version of myself. And if they don't want it, I'm going to trust that it wasn't the right fit. But I have this to offer. I am going to be confident. And I know that I could give a great level of, of service and work to this company. And I'm going to make sure that they see that. That's what I'm going to give. And I'm going to walk away knowing that that's what I gave. And it's up to them whether or not they want to receive it. Got it. Completely different mindset. And that's how you show up differently based on how you're speaking to yourself. Excellent. And that ties into something. Heard this from Gary Vaynerchuk. So Gary V, and, and if you're a listener and you don't know who Gary V is, literally go look him up. He is kind of a media mogul nowadays. Yes. But one of the things that stuck with me a long time ago, and I, I will say I like Gary V before he was cool. Like I like Gary V in that time before he became like really big, not quite mm -hmm. back to the, the him running his wine channel on YouTube times. I'm not an OG uh, Gary V fan, but I, I did like him before he was cool was that if you're not your biggest fan, you've lost. And I really think that that goes a long way when it comes to going into an interview. Now, obviously you can't be overconfident. You can't be 
blind or stupid when it comes to like, I'm the greatest. Well, you're applying here at NASA and you have no idea how physics works. Like you can't do that, but you have to have that confidence of when you're appear to be a fit. Yeah. I'm going to go crush this. I'm going to go win this, be your biggest fan. And you have to be your biggest fan. Nobody else can be. So it's good to hear that that's got a little bit more meat to it, a little bit deeper in, in the brain, which is outstanding. So next question I have for you, we often get negative responses from employers, Ariel, these days. Uh, we get rejection letters and maybe if, I haven't gotten a phone call rejection in forever, but I'm sure those still do happen. Mm-hmm. Or we get ghosted. What does that do to us? And how do we program ourselves to be a little bit more resistant to that that crushing, that disappointment, that bad thing that comes to us? So often we are attributing so much of a story to a situation and acknowledging how much of that story is true versus how much of it is what you are making up is really important. And this is so much easier said than done, but acknowledging the story that you're creating around a situation is vital because I think it's important to remember that when you are interviewing, when you're applying for a job, You're a person who is applying to people. Now, we talk about being confident, being your biggest fan. Absolutely. You should be confident. You should be your biggest fan. You should give it your all. And also acknowledge that you are a person who is not perfect. You have flaws, right? You're not going to be a perfect fit for any role, nonetheless every role. No person is because we are flawed humans. And you are applying to humans. You think about you're applying to a job but you're applying to fellow humans and they are likely imperfect. They likely have broken processes. They likely want to avoid those courageous conversations. That's a growing, growing trend, avoiding courageous confrontation. And that happens a lot with employers. And oftentimes that results in ghosting either they have terrible processes, so they're not following up with people properly, Mm -hmm. or they don't want to have, there's someone who is not skilled in courageous conversations and they avoid having those conversations. And so that can result in ghosting, realizing that you're applying to flawed humans who are going to be imperfect as well. And that's not on you. Realizing that you are in control and you're responsible for what you give, for how you show up and for how you communicate with them, uh, both in the interview, before the interview and after the interview, but you are not responsible for how they show up. And I think having that clear separation is important And sometimes it can be a, you know what, frankly, and this is a little bit of a self-protective mechanism, which is not always a bad thing to do or to have. You know what, if they don't have the courage to tell me that I can get the job, if they don't have the proper processes to follow up and make sure I'm communicated to, or if they are not giving that level of uh, respect and consideration to their applicants, maybe that's not a, a company I want to be a part of. Or maybe that's not the, the role that I want to be in or the manager that I want to be reporting to. Having that awareness of the story is not just about you. It's also about the one employing you and realizing what does that part of the story mean? What is that? How does that change your perspective on that job opportunity? Because there are, there, there's multiple people in this scenario and it's not 
you're not the only, sometimes the only cause of the situation. So owning the story is really important. What story are you telling yourself about that scenario? And what are you maybe not including in the story that completely changes your perspective on it? Okay. So to dive into that just a, a tiny bit more, I don't ever, I don't want to call anybody out, but let's pretend there's a, there's an HR person out there and they are just somehow by some dint of they're the boss's wife or something like that. They're just not very good at their job. And it can be for a hundred different reasons. That could be the reason why you didn't get the job is because some knucklehead is there running the show and it has nothing to do with you. You could be a great candidate, but they are just incapable of seeing that. Yes. Okay. Got it. Absolutely true. There's a thousand reasons. I've also had it where some, uh, I applied for a role and I found out, thankfully I had, which connections are huge. Thankfully I had a connection with someone else uh, in the company, in the organization. And they said, just so you know, they already had someone in mind when they posted Ooh, That this. always hurts. Mm-hmm. That always hurts when you're kind of the, oh, let's see if there's anything else out there. But we, we have our candidate. That, that's always a painful one. Or we have our process and we have to put it out there. We have to open it up to everybody. But I already know the person that I want to uh, to get this job, but they have to go through the process, right? They have to interview and I have to give them the formal offer and they have to accept. But even when I posted this job, I was hoping this person would take it. That happens. It happens way more oh, often yes. than, than people think. And so you may think, oh, I didn't get the job because of me. They weren't even mentally open to the idea of anybody else because they had this role with this person in mind and they had to follow the process uh, to make sure it was legitimate and to let everyone in and they didn't do anything wrong per se. Cause they may, maybe someone could have changed their mind, but unlikely. Right. And that's not about you. Right. That's, that's the true story. And I think sometimes we only have our own story. We don't have the full story. So we don't have the true story and our own story is self-defeating. Got it. And you know, I suppose that maybe reinforces your point of, go into an interview, the phrase guns blazing is probably not the appropriate one to use here. Go into an interview all out. Give give it your all because you might never know. You might supplant that person who they have as a shoe-in, but at the same time, realizing that, you know what, the, the deck may be actually stacked against you is probably incredibly healthy for a lot of people when they look at, well, I really wanted to work at that company, but they, they just never got back to me. And it's probably because they found the person and had them sitting down in, in marketing or wherever it might be and just needed to go through a process for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there are, there are laws and there are rules that, uh, as well as company policies that require that they follow that process, that full recruiting selection and re- hiring process. And you may be wow. a part of the process, but you weren't the one that they had in mind from the very beginning. And again, that doesn't mean that you don't apply. This is not just scourge applying because you never know. And that's obviously not the case every time, but you're not going to be given majority of the time unless you had someone like I did. I was very grateful for this situation of someone telling me just so you know, they already had someone in mind that happens way more often than we realize. And you're not going to always know that that's the scenario or the case, but having awareness that that can happen can help to reduce the thought that it's all because of you or uh, because you didn't show up well enough to the interview or you didn't qualify. Maybe you did, but they might've already had somebody in mind. Right. You bought, you brought your a game, but somebody already won the game Yeah, and it did, doesn't matter how many points you score. The, the goal line has been crossed. Got it. Well okay. Ariel. And I think a lot of folks may have on their mind right now that 
yeah, we're going to reprogram the words. That kind of sounds a little bit like people coming to me and giving me kind of platitudes like, hey, you need to have an attitude of gratitude. And, oh, have you read Rhonda Burns' The Secret? And think positive thoughts, and it's going to help shield you from that. My experience in my introduction to these concepts, I found them to kind of be like, oh, yeah, I, I should do that. And that's revolutionary at first. But then I used these thoughts and I kind of saw that there were some smoke and mirrors with that. And I was like, well, that's kind of garbage that only works for a few people. With NLP, how do we use this to our advantage and, and not be consistently let down when maybe it doesn't quite shield us as well as it should? Or we hope it was does. I say that off, uh, usually disappointment is from a result of unrealistic expectations. Okay. And a word that you said there, shield us. I think expecting it to shield you is a fairly unrealistic expectation, especially as you're building the muscle or especially as you're starting out, right? It doesn't shield you. It doesn't create a, a wall or a barrier from pain or from disappointment that is now, it doesn't block it. It's more building a muscle. Okay. So that you have the strength to, to push back on that weight, right? It doesn't, it doesn't remove the obstacles from coming. It doesn't shield you from the disappointment. It's about strengthening you. Okay. So little analogy here before, before I let you continue. It's not a shield as in a giant piece of metal that you can put in front of yourself. It's more like a, a bulletproof vest or a flak jacket. You still got shot and it still yeah. hurts like crazy, but you're not dead. And I think that maybe is, is something that's that we can dispel of that. Is mm -hmm. that again, it is not this wall that you can just put up and say, I'm going to be completely protected from that. No, it's something that pre prevents you from being destroyed, but it still yes. can damage you. Okay, Absolutely. please continue. That's a, a great, great analogy, great metaphor. So when you think about the expectation, uh, something that I'll talk about sometimes with my clients mm -hmm. in this growth of growth and gratitude, growth in mentality and mindset, very important. But I do say that there is a potential trap that people fall into, which I think can happen when they watch The Secret, which is not a bad thing to watch. No, I love, I love the book. I adore right. that book. And, and if there's something that works, there's a reason why. Yes. And that's always my thing is dig into why. What, what's the truth in there? Why does that work? Why does that work for some people? And if you can it, it find the why of why that works for some people or sometimes and apply that to your situation, it's much more powerful than thinking that the, the tip or the trick will be the thing that works. There's a reason that it works. And if you can identify the reason and apply that to your situation, much more powerful. Now, going back to the expectations I say sometimes a threat or danger in this process is uh, believing that there's a taking on an expectation that you should always be happy now. And I say, remember that if you're thinking that the result is a constant feeling, feelings are fleeting. If you're always chasing okay. a feeling, you're always going to be chasing something that's fleeting from you. You may catch it sometimes, but it's always fleeting. So, an expectation of always feeling happy or always feeling joy. And if you get a no from a job, you're not, you don't need to beat yourself up over not feeling happy in that moment. It's not expected that you right. have, <laughs> a, you know, over overwhelming joy in that moment. But again, strengthening yourself, you feel it, you get hurt. 
you you allow those feelings to process, but you know it's not going to kill you, and you know that you're going to be strengthened by that. I think about uh, the uh, the what I remember when I went to personal training and learned a little bit more about how the muscles tear before they strengthen. And I thought, wow, what a an empowerful metaphor for life. Right. There has to be some micro tears before the strengthening. And the micro tears are actually what allows for the strengthening to happen. And if those tears don't happen, if you shield yourself, then then you're not going to grow. You're not going to strengthen. And so with the attitude of gratitude and the secret and the power of your mindset, this is about strengthening you, not, not shielding you from the world around you. And the more you can focus on developing yourself, strengthening yourself for the bounce back, for getting back up after you've gotten pushed down, that is the, the focus and the goal, thinking that happiness or feeling a certain way all the time is the goal will always leave you feeling disappointed. Got it. And I think you, you touched on a great thing there of kind of the scar that gets left when you get pushed. I, I think that's, that's really excellent. And, you know, sometimes people, people do sometimes dig scars, especially when it shows that you, you've grown and that you've been, uh, been further along, which is just awesome. Okay. Another topic that is really close to this area is that fear of failure. And as a job seeker who maybe hasn't had a lot of luck with our search, what can we do to bolster ourselves against this? Failure can, speaking about the connotations and connections that we have with certain words and language, I think failure is one that can oftentimes have a very negative connotation for us. So reframing how you see the the failure, as you say it, or not getting the job or uh, having a letdown, reframing it from a failure to a learning experience. And when you talked about, uh, you know, some of the, the messaging people, there might, there's probably some people who are listening, going, making an eye roll saying, yeah, I've heard that before. Every failure is a learning experience. Sounds nice, but it right. doesn't take away the emotion, right? Of course not. No. But embracing that as a step in the journey. So I think about how life is a journey and it's not linear. And when we tell ourselves that we should be making a linear step. And if we're not getting that job or we're not making that step, then we're, we're failing. That's under the belief that, that it's linear, but life is not linear. So I think, again, reframing your expectations and not putting all of your, your hope in one role or one job opportunity, because the, 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 stories that you tell yourself as a result of experience can be very positive or very negative and that impacts how you show up the next time right Got so it. if if you see it as a as a failure as not getting the job or something as a failure i would reframe that as a learning experience because then it's what can i take from this to apply to the next and i've seen it time and time again where someone is so grateful that they ended up not getting the job that they felt so disappointed about not getting it at the time because they got the job that was a better suit or they found out more about that company or that manager and they're glad they're not working for that person. And there's a lot of benefits that they can see long after that experience, but you can't see it when you're in it because you're just thinking I failed. So reframing it from a failure to a learning experience and thinking, what can I learn? That's again, where you make it about strengthening yourself and putting on more, uh, more armor and more strength for the next time for the next opportunity versus just experiencing it as a loss. 
Got it. So then experiencing things as a loss, the question I have then, is failure okay? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's a, oh, perhaps an overused reference, but think about how many times a young child falls before they finally learn to walk. And there's no shame in that. There's no uh, disappointment every time a child falls. There's no, oh, they should have figured this out already. It's, that's an embraced part of the process. We know that they have to learn what works and what doesn't and how to balance. And they have to grow those muscles, literally grow those muscles by keep trying in order to then be able to walk and eventually run. And yet, as we grow older, we somehow think that that no longer applies, even though we're, we were humans then, we're humans now. But failure is the only way that you learn. It's the only way that you grow. It's the only way that you strengthen. And if you view failure as a stagnant thing that happens and you're just stuck there, there's, there's no opportunity. Um, there's no gift in that. But if you view failure as something that is a part of the process, something that you learn from and acquired part of the strengthening process, then every time you fail, you know that there's good coming from it. You know that you're strengthening from it. You know that you're growing from that. And that's a very different interpretation of failure. And the, the external uh, factors can be the same, but your interpretation of what it means changes. So seeing failure as a stagnant, static place where you're stuck versus failure as a part of the growth and strengthening journey can completely shift it from a negative to a positive. Excellent. Wow. Okay. So again, folks, it is, it is okay. Fail forward, fail into lean into the failure almost. And Got speaking it. of the, the reference or the connection that that can mean, uh, one analogy that we talked about, Rob was yeah. the baseball, right? Reframing the meeting, uh, in baseball, what is a, uh, a good batting average in baseball? Somewhere we're close to 300, 293, 311, something like that. And when you hear, batting 300 what's your immediate response mental and emotional response that guy's doing all right i mean he's he's really probably one of the top 10 20 percent of the people in the, playing the game now if i said that guy is batting 27 percent, what's your response <laughs> that guy only hits one in four pitches thrown his way come on <laughs> what if i said you know 270 he's batting 270 what's your response well that's great that means he he hits uh, 270 out of every thousand balls he's thrown that's a lot of balls and it means the exact same thing, but it does. It, what words you choose and how you say it changes the response. So that that's a reframing from uh, 27% doesn't sound so good. So we say he's batting 270. That sounds good. And it actually creates a different mental and emotional response. That's the same uh, concept applied is how are you framing your quote unquote failures and your successes? Got how it. are you framing them? Because it, it makes an impact on how you view it. Excellent. Well, I think that, again, a couple of really great analogies there that kind of tie everything together for everybody. A uh, couple of closing kind of questions here earlier. This one I've really wanted to get to. This is one of the questions I've been waiting to ask you this entire time. Uh, there are job descriptions out there that are looking for the perfect candidate. In fact, the uh, gentleman who guested on this show previous to your episode airing uh, mentioned, you know, try to become the perfect candidate. But there's an argument to be had on whether that person actually exists or not. There are so many talented job hunters out there, but companies are giving them false hope to some extent with their job search, uh, I feel. How are they doing that? And I guess, why are they doing that? 
Well, I think this applies to not only job searching, but um, searching for anything in life. If you don't ask for what you want, if you don't even know how to clarify what you want, you won't find it. This applies okay. so much to marketing, to relationships, to all kinds of things in life, jobs as well. And this is not only the, uh, the one looking for a job, but also the ones who are looking for a recruit. If you spell out exactly what you want, your ideal candidate, and that's, again, marketing as well as uh, job searching, if you list out your ideal candidate, you're more likely to find that person. Think about it if uh, those who were recruiting just said, we're just looking for somebody who's looking for a job. They're going to get all kinds oh, yeah. of... <laughs> Uh, the, the spectrum. So ask for what you want, but then there's also an understanding and acceptance of, of clarity that you're going to ask for what you want, but you're not going to get everything. Meaning uh, I think about it from, this is going to be a, a silly sounding uh, reference, but think about someone who is looking for their life partner and they're listing out exactly what they want. So that when that person comes along, they are more able, easily able to identify that person because they have clarity in what they want. But, that doesn't mean that they're not going to need to make compromises. This person may snore really loud at night and you're like, well, that's not ideal, but I'm right. willing to, to make some, some compromises or I, I have an, uh, a fair expectation that this person is human and is not a piece of paper. And I think the same thing happens with job recruiting where the employer is responsible for putting out exactly what they want, their ideal candidate, but ideal almost never actually exists in reality in full. And so as far as the, the false expectation, realize that they are listing ev their ideal and no one, including you, no one is going to fully match their ideal because the ideal is somewhat uh, hypothetical. So even if you okay. meet some of the, the skill set requirements or all of those, there's still likely something that this person would be considering ideal that you may not fit or match. Uh, so ideal is imaginary to an extent and figuring out what is um, what is actually crucial, what is really needed and how do you assess, you know, can you meet that criteria or can you show up in that way? Can you deliver on that? Can you learn that is really important. But acknowledging that the perfect, just as ideal and perfect doesn't really exist and acknowledging that, but they're going to put that out there in hopes that they get close that's, I think, important to realize because we all can fall into the ideal of perfectionism for ourselves and perfect doesn't exist. Right. So perhaps work toward becoming the very ideal candidate. And then, of course, uh, make sure that, you know, you, you grow into that. Great. Good deal. All right. Moving kind of to the end here. There are a ton of people out there on Instagram who flaunt big money and big successes. I'm not going to name names, but... When we see someone with that private jet, that beach house, the big stacks of cash, it's really tough to not want that for ourselves. How do we temper our attitudes to reflect the fact that it's probably pretty unlikely that we will ever experience that level of success? And that's really tough to see when you're in a job hunt situation. I think the impact of social media can be great in positive ways and can be great in negative ways. And I'm going to just speak from my own experience a little bit here. I'm happy to talk about a little bit of the, the mental processing. But honestly, when I see that, 
one of the things I ask is if they're so happy and it's so great, why do they feel the need to flaunt it? I have never thought about it that way. That's incredible. Okay. Wow. And, and my thought is uh, when I feel really content and really, it doesn't mean that sometimes when I'm excited, yes, I want to share that with the world. Or I want to share sure. it with my friends, right? You, you want to share things. Absolutely. But if it's from a point of flaunting, that to me, based on studying human behavior, psychology, and just watching people at different levels of income and life stage and happiness, and et cetera, I think if they feel the need to flaunt it, it's oftentimes an indicator that something is wrong. And Interesting. The, the, the truth is if you're, if you're truly content with something, uh, wouldn't you kind of lose the need of feeling to prove anything to anybody else? Perhaps. So, I, I don't know. I've never been that successful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just share. I've seen uh, people who have it, who don't flaunt it. I've seen people who have it, who flaunt it. And the ones who flaunt it seem to be it never enough. It seems to never be enough. Interesting. Sure. So if the advice for the job seeker is don't look at the scoreboard, keep playing the game. Exactly. Got and it. that's how you, that's how you really win. I've, I've seen people who have lots of money who are happy and lots of money who are not happy. Uh, often though, just kind of, again, breaking a little bit of that false perception. Oftentimes those who I see flaunting, doesn't mean having, but flaunting the items, the material wealth and all of that. A lot of it they may have, but that doesn't mean that they own it. Right. I think I saw an Instagram story the other day of people uh, renting little private jet sets that were made out of cardboard and things like that. And it's like, that, that, that looks, that's not a private jet. That's, I've been on one. That's not what a private jet looks <laughs> well, like. Little, I was just meaning they, they might go into debt or they might do all these sure, things right. to have these things and to create that perception that they don't really own or they're not actually at the level of success that they're flaunting. But, or they might be doing both. You never know. <laughs> yeah, they could be, they could be doing both. There's a whole, a whole episode I'm sure we could do on that alone. Good deal. Well, that's everything I have for you today, my friend. It is time to do my favorite thing in the show. And that's not give up hosting, which I, I have talked to a couple of people about. And they, they've said, hey, yeah, let me host it. No, no, no. This is the time to put the shoe on the other foot. For your expertise area, what did I miss asking you about about this topic? I think we covered a lot, which is exciting. But when we talk about resilience, I want to go back to our first point about bouncing back. Not creating an expectation that you don't fall down. Not creating an expectation that you don't experience sadness. Embracing this part of the journey. But the best thing you can do in a journey is to take that next step forward. Focusing on that just that next step forward. With Sometimes I talk about with regards to coaching a lot of sales professionals. Mm -hmm. You feel that the no does not have nearly as much impact if you have a lot of potential yeses in the pipeline. So when talking about job seeking, uh, when you don't get the job, if that's the only one that you've applied for, if that's the only one that you have in your basket, that's going to feel like a major loss because it's the only thing that you had set up. But if you put a lot of seeds out there and this is, it, it does take more work, right? It takes more time. It takes more work. Oh, sure. It, it certainly does. And I'm not negating that, but if you get a no, and but you have five potentials that you're waiting for a response from, it's, oh, that's disappointing, but let's see if any of these other five come through. So 
my encouragement that I wanted to share is to make sure that you're constantly planting seeds because you never know which one is going to sprout. Right. Focusing and that, on what you can control. That's what leads to a full garden, if you will. Good deal. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Well, anything else before we close out? I think that's the main thing. It's just um, focus on the, the step forward, the bounce back, and, and don't beat yourself up if you have a bad day or if you feel disappointment because getting it back the next day, planting the next seed is how you is how you win. Got it. Well, it is indeed closing time here and not just on this episode, but on season one as a whole. Ariel, thank you so much for being here, doing this excellent, delightful crossover between our shows. I'd like to thank your audience for swinging by and I hope it gave you a ton of value for them and, and that you'll come back again. I would definitely like to have you back on the show down the road, especially if you're in something where you, you know, run across job hunting again. I think that's a great thing. But uh, you are a listener who's new to the show that you'll return again, especially if you're out there facing that job hunt or looking at a job that you just really can't stand. So to wrap things up, Ariel, any additional plugs for social media around your site and shows or any other shout outs while you're here on the show? Well, you can always connect with me via my website. It's harnessyourhindrance.com. From there, you'll find my podcast, how to connect with me, anything uh, that you may be looking for as a result of listening to this episode. And you can always connect with me on LinkedIn as well, Ariel Kopak on LinkedIn or search Harness Your Hindrance. Excellent. Excellent. As I said in an earlier episode, make my network work for you and you're part of that Ariel, which is just outstanding. So folks, by all means, please do send Ariel a connection request. Make sure you have a great note into in it though, as to why you should connect with her because we always want to offer value to folks here. So to close things out on my end here for recruiting hell, as always, if you have questions, comments, feedback with us here at the show, you can drop us a line at recruiting hell.com. Go there, click things, get the extras, follow us on the social media while you're there, most importantly, subscribe to Recruiting Hell over time. And then, of course, is the new weekly newsletter I mentioned earlier with a bunch of extra stuff that doesn't fit in the show. Be sure to take a look at the Patreon page. And, of course, you can also find show merch on tpublic.com as well. We really dig the new logo. I put it around the block a little bit here, and I certainly hope you do as well. Don't worry. The, the old flame will live on in our hearts, and maybe we'll release something like a classic logo T-shirt today. And, of course, links to all of this in the show notes, as always. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios in beautiful Port Washington, Wisconsin, and a resident show of Podcast Town. If you're looking for more great shows like Ariel's, you can check out RecruitingHell.com for our list of other wonderful content creators who not, not only call friends, but whose input and feedback help make this show better for you. If you can, please reward them with a listen. And, hey, again, if you haven't subscribed, followed, or shared this show, I greatly appreciate it. Or you know what? You could rate this show, and that would be amazing. There are millions of people the world over that could benefit from learning more about how to power up their job hunt. They're likely your friends and your neighbors, so let's get them helped out. Finally, as always, a thank you to Purple Planet Music for our themes and you, the listener, for tuning in. I'm Rob Conlon, and until we meet again, keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace. <laughs>